I'm Morgan Barnhart. And I'm Brad Acree, and you're listening to Underrated America Cincinnati. We started this podcast to shine a light on the gems of Cincinnati and show listeners what makes this a great place to call home. And why we're proud of our city. So we're going to highlight the food scene, culture, nightlife, entertainment, the arts, and everything that makes the city great. Especially the leaders, artists, and entrepreneurs who are making it all happen. This This is is Underrated Underrated America, America, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Ken, we're so excited to have you today, and we would love to have you start with stating your full name and what you do in your own words. Sure. Ken Lewis, and I'm the owner of New Rift Distilling. I'm also functioning as the CEO, so I kind of run the place, write the checks. <laughs> That's a very important role. We'd love to hear your Cincinnati origin story. I'm not sure. Are you originally from Cincinnati or the no. Cincinnati mm-hmm. area, I should say, but love to hear your background and how you got here. Sure. I'll make it brief, of course. I'm a Kentucky native and born in Louisville, went to school in Louisville, public schools and so forth. And after college, kind of, I was a teacher for a few years and then fell into a very tiny little family business, a small little quote unquote liquor store in Louisville. And uh, thought I'd just do that for a few years and hopefully could have a little side income and go back to teaching. And I really did enjoy it. liked retailing, liked the working with the people and the customers and trying to innovate some interesting things were going on in Kentucky way back in the dark ages to open up sales and alcohol from where they were. And I liked it. So I sort of stuck around and started innovating and growing the business. Kentucky got out of setting prices Mm. and became an open situation overnight. And no one knew quite what to do. And I had some ideas of what to do being a young person and so forth. So I did expand, and at one point I had I had four stores in Louisville, big stores, and then in retailing, and thought that uh, there was a real opportunity up here in, in greater Cincinnati. And uh, at the time, I came, about 30 years ago, I came up to this area because at that time, Ohio still had state stores. Mm-hmm. And you guys are certainly not old enough to know anything <laughs> about that. But hopefully somebody listening or watching will, will remember those bad old days. And they were pretty bad and pretty expensive and made people feel sort of dirty and like they were sinners to buy alcohol. Mm. And so it was old school all the way, state stores. And I opened up the party source. And that's my origin in terms of the greater Cincinnati area. Yeah. This is the party before the party. We're happy that you're here. And the party source was very innovative, particularly because it was about half non-alcoholic and was meant to be female friendly and bright colors and get away from all that sin and something negative and put the product of alcohol in the context in which it most beneficially should be used, which is having some nice parties and family events. And we sold all the other things that would be necessary for those kinds of things. And it was a big hit. And that new concept, the party source, took me a long way. And so eventually I did decide just to get into the, I saw the bourbon boom happening back in you know about the, the late 1990s. I saw it happening right in front of my eyes because I was in the industry in retailing. And I'd been a retailer for, at that point, maybe about 25, 28 years 
all together. And it's, you know, it's hard work and seven days a week and every holiday and so forth. And was interested in a change because I'm a natural entrepreneur risk taker. And I thought Northern Kentucky, greater Cincinnati didn't have a single distillery. And this is starting to happen in Kentucky and the U.S. And why not us? I'm very proud I sold the party source to its employees. Yep. And the ESOP, they've done extremely well and proceeded to go my merry way in distilling. And that brings us up to the current time. So we've, I've been doing this for about 10 years, nine years at uh, New Rift Distilling. That's awesome. I would have been a fan of yours for only party source. I mean, New Riff is amazing, <laughs> but I live in Pleasant Ridge, north of the city. I still make trips down to Kentucky to go down to party source for especially the bigger trips. So in really cool that you sold the company to the employees. I love yeah, that. It was, it's a very, very successful business and continues to be. It's an iconic business, which is cool. And frankly, I hope and kind of think that we're on the way that New Riff will be an iconic business for greater Cincinnati as well. And having done it twice, you know, in my lifetime and building a brand like New Riff seems to be on the trajectory to do is I'll be quite proud of all of that. Definitely. I was just at Party Source yesterday because I am throwing an event tonight. And <laughs> it's, it is iconic. And I feel like literally anytime I throw an event, it's a perfect place mm -hmm. to go because it's everything is there. And you have this awesome policy where if the bottles aren't opened, they actually can be returned. So it's great for event planning Absolutely. where you can overbuy and be like overly prepared, which is perfect for parties. But you mentioned you sold a party source to the employees. Walk us through the decision making behind that. That's Brad and I were talking about that before the mm -hmm. show. That's such a cool concept. And well, we wanted to get some details on that. Sure. The concept is a wonderful one. And, you know, it goes back to values and how a person wants to live their life. And I don't want to get up on a soapbox and do that kind of thing either. But in general, my attitude, and it's only become more so as I've gotten older, is in my case, I feel that I was born with a heck of a lot of privilege and opportunities that maybe everybody in the world doesn't get. And I don't think I should be using those things just to, you know, amass and acquire more things and, and enlarge my carbon, you know, imprint beyond what is justifiable. I think that I should use that privilege and education and opportunity. Yes, I want to feather my own nest, but how about sharing? How about helping sure. some other people along the way? And I think the employees who make things happen and who get things done, who in the case of New Riff, make the whiskey or the party source, run the registers and stock the shelves. You know, if I can use my talents and abilities and do well for myself and my family, but help another 50 or 100 families, you know, through their hard work to have a decent retirement, that really uplifts me. That gives me a lot of just good feelings. And I think there's a lot of other people who feel that way. I wish there were a whole lot more yep. because I think there's so much greed and excess that's not necessary. But I want I don't want to be on a soapbox. ESOP. <laughs> is a uh, government organized scheme, if you want to call it that, legal scheme, that goes back into, again, into the 60s. It's been used all over the United States. There's plenty of ESOPs in greater Cincinnati beside the party source. And it really just provides a mechanism, a way through the tax code to help fund employees buying out their workplace. And it's a wonderful program. And I really hope, I'm reaching the point that about a year and a half, I'm going to retire as CEO. I'll still be very involved, of course, in the life of New Riff, but I won't have that day-to-day -day work. And I really hope that I have a chance to maybe work on a nonprofit basis 
with other businesses and folks in greater Cincinnati that are interested in ESOPs or other ways, pensions, whatever, Very cool. that they can share with their employees. That would be a great post-career or late career kind of thing that I could do, maybe through the Gearing Center. We have some great institutions yeah. here in Cincinnati. You'd mentioned, in your words, saying that you're a hippie. The name New Riff makes me think of music. Is there any background with, is it a musical background with a New Riff name, or where is that coming from? You're exactly correct. And I don't have a musical background. Okay. I do have Jay Arismet, a guy that helped me found New Riff. I call him my co-founder. He was an employee of mine at the, the Party Source 2. Uh, and he does have a musical background. And I think he came up with the idea of a riff, which is really a, you know, it's a respectful way of looking to the past, but going toward the future. So if you're riffing on, you know, a music scheme, or if you're a comedian doing a riff, in our case, we're distilling, there's 200 years of distilling before us, but we're going to do our own little take on that. That becomes a riff on a great tradition or on a great guitarist, et cetera, et cetera. And we thought that was a, a fun. And then the new, frankly, was kind of marketing. It sounded good. News always positive. We are new. We're a new riff. We're a new take on things, but still very respectful of the old. And I think the name works. I like it. Yeah. Yep. Good job, Brad. <laughs> so how, yeah, how did you transition from retailing to distilling? Obviously, I love the fact that New Riff is next to Party Source. So you have all your old school and true clients that have access to New Riff. Mm -hmm. But describe the transition because I'm sure it was a lot of work. It's the same industry. So you start there and Certainly, the important thing is what's common between them is the management and putting a great team together and leading the team and having a vision and knowing how to accomplish that vision. So the leadership aspect and the entrepreneurial organizational skills and so forth were very much in common. And at the end of the day, you know, I wasn't running a cash register at Party Source. I don't make whiskey at New Riff. I'm very cognizant of that. I don't have a great palate. I didn't have a great palate selling wine. I don't have a great palate on bourbon. doesn't mean I don't appreciate it. doesn't mean I don't know how to create this, to build a brand and create the circumstances of making great whiskey for my team. So that also goes back to sharing with them. I'm constantly reminded that I have this fantastic career employee group, you know, 30, 40, 50 people that is doing these things. And I really do feel that obligation to share with them. But what's in common is that entrepreneurial organization and leadership. Yeah, definitely. The going back to being a new take on things is New Riff officially on the Bourbon Trail, or is it? How does yeah, that they, connection? Yeah, we're very much part of the Kentucky Distillers Association. They have, the, we call it the Big Trail and the Little Trail. There's okay. the official Bourbon Trail, and now there's a craft distilling mm. trail. So it's like Big Trail, Small Trail. We don't want to be on the quote-unquote big trail because it involves a lot of buses and so mm. forth. And we would rather be much more intimate and engaged with a much smaller group of people. Don't really have the facility size to accommodate busloads of folks that want to get their passports stamped and so forth. And yeah. just go to your gift shop and get a free taste. So uh, we're happily on the smaller craft bourbon trail. What's your pitch for including the Cincinnati area for those bourbon trail travelers? Or a better way of putting that might be like, how would you spend a day or suggest a friend spend a day if they're interested in that type of experience? It's a great question. The background is that New Rift, myself personally, were very involved in the tourism aspect of bourbon. And 
we're working hard with both the Northern Kentucky, Meet Northern Kentucky tourist mm. group. And of course, they're very much in collaboration with the Cincinnati folks in tourism. And there's good cooperation between the two sides of the river on, on, on this matter. We're one community and it really is a big deal. And we're growing this and trying to grow it even more in the future because more than half of the people that come to the, the Bourbon Trail, go to Central Kentucky or Louisville from out of state, come down 71, 75. They go right past us. Oh, wow. So the idea is with New Riff and some other things that are in the works, let's pull some of these people off of the interstate. Let's be the introduction, the beginning of the Bourbon Trail. Have a great night in Cincinnati or Covington, et cetera, Newport, because there's great things to do up here. And so we're very involved in all of that. It's, it will continue to burgeon and can be helpful for convention visitations and so forth. Do you have some favorite suggestions? You know, obviously New Rift, but after you leave New Rift, are you suggesting yeah. a couple different places over there? Absolutely. We're part of what's called the B Line, which is Bourbon Line, yep. which is a Northern Kentucky initiative that's gone very well. So we have some really good, there's some good bars in Covington and Newport, you know, that we're very fond of. If I start naming them, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> You're going to forget you some. Know, we sell to all of them and I'll forget one. And that'll be the one one guy that, you know, sees this at 11 o'clock at night. And That's I'll have fair. A phone call. But we do. We really have some very bourbon-centric bars, particularly in northern Kentucky, but in, in OTR and greater Cincinnati as well, or in Cincinnati. And in addition, we've got some good small distilleries that are around us. And sometimes the small folks, and we're small compared to, you know, Jim Beam or Four Roses, but yeah. but smaller than us, bring a lot of passion and interest to it. You know, there's Second Side over in Ludlow. They're wonderful folks. Mm. Boone County Distilling, you know, up in a little south of Florence. Pogue Distilling in Maysville. So we really have an area around here that folks can get involved. And I think you can get a, a better grip on it than, Central Kentucky and Louisville, which are bigger distilleries and a lot less personal at this point. We're still eager. You know, we're ready to talk to people one-on-one -on -one in a way that some of the big distilleries, you know, they certainly have their good tour guides, but you don't really get behind the scenes like you can here in Northern Kentucky. Absolutely. And the aging process of bourbon is, it seems like it would be difficult for a new distiller to, to stay afloat. Can you describe like the beginning stages of that process, like the early years of a new riff yeah constant economic terror you know who wants to flop after you were dumb enough to sell the party source so, just hoping that the taste of the public doesn't change in the time being huh <laughs> you know yeah i mean it is the opposite of the world we live in today because it is all about patience and deferred gratification you know the, if we all know this is a world that's trying to figure out how to go from one day delivery to two hour delivery mm -hmm. yeah and let's do drones in 30 minutes Distilling is make it, put it away, and then twiddle your thumbs for four or five years, six years. Uh, and that's a constant effort. And so economically, which is I'm the guy who's responsible for paying the bills and building the organization, hiring the employees, and the first four years, there's not much cash flow coming in. It's very difficult. So it is hard to get started. And I'm glad I'm over that startup phase and we're starting to become a bit more of a mature business and have product to sell but our best years are way ahead of not mm -hmm. way but they're ahead of us yeah. they're in sight when we start having eight nine ten twelve year old whiskeys and it's coming we've released six-year-old we're just trying to get our stocks up and we'll have you know whether it's an eight or a nine-year-old that stuff's coming in just a few years and then older after that 
we've put away a lot of product to get older because that's where the reputation building and the greatness will come from. So the startup phase, very different. Lots of sleepless nights, angst. You know, and when you make, you know, if you make beer two weeks, three weeks later, you can sell it. You get a reaction from the public. You make whiskey, then it sits and it sits. And yes, you can taste it out of the barrel and great palates can have a sense of whether you're on the right track, et cetera. But boy, you got to get out there into the public and see what the writers think and the general public and the bourbon folks. And waiting and waiting when you have a brand new product you're excited about for five years or eight years, it's, <laughs> it's taxing. Do you have any new spirits in the works or are we going to be sticking to bourbon considering how difficult it is to get it going? We've done bourbon and we've done rye from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And we have released a handful of specialty items already that we're really happy about because they're very cautious, careful, and very successful riffs or innovations. For instance, one of my personal favorites is 100% malted rye which is a very interesting product and is a six-year-old release, been very successful in the market. Right now, our current release, which after just a couple of days is already pretty much sold out, is Winter Whiskey, which was a, a, an innovation by our distilling team with using oats and chocolate oats in addition to corn as the main ingredient, so it could still be mm. called a bourbon. So we do have a number of things out already. And then, yes, there's stuff in the stuff there's whiskey in the barrel in a way that is very exciting and if i start talking about things that have not been released yet there will be three or four employees that are you know from marketing and sales that are going to come racing in here you know and <laughs> drag me away from the computer and i'll never finish the the interview so that's but yes we are constantly working on that because that's the way Yes, you want to have a great core group of bourbon and rye to sell and build your reputation and always available. People like the specialties and the in and out items, and we'll particularly have those for our gift shop. And, and it makes it an exciting treasure hunt to come in and find them. And, you know, retailers get them and hand them out or sell them to the real bourbon clients that they have. And it's all part of the whole bourbonism culture. And we're definitely a part of that. I like the word bourbonism. I haven't heard that before and I'm going to use it. I think injustice, I think I need to say that is a creation of the mayor of my old hometown in Louisville 10 or 15 years ago. So bourbonism was made up in, in Louisville. I'm, I'll give them their due for that. Yeah, yeah. we got to give credit. That's okay. We yes. love Louisville too. We do too. I'd love to hear about some of your personal experiences here in the Cincinnati area. Do you have a favorite neighborhood that you're hanging out with, spending your time in? I think in Cincinnati, of course, I like the whole OTR energy that's mm -hmm. going on and there's so much happening. And it is very unique. It's a great district. And I think the things that are happening in Covington, you know, Covington is really getting a rep. Condé Nash, Northern Kentucky Inn is one of 20 best destinations for the year 2023. In the, I mean, we were with, I mean, Northern Kentucky and I think Covington's a big part of that. They're reinventing themselves. There's such energy over in Covington and diversity. And so that's definitely a favorite spot too, is those two places for us. I think you're being humble because you were a big part of that right up as well. So yeah. We were in there because it gets back to that whole tourism element, yeah. which we're all really excited about. 
This is Morgan Barnhart, co-host of Underrated America and loan officer with Cross Country Mortgage on Team Barnhart. I offer a wide range of products to help you and your families achieve all of your home financing goals. I believe the mortgage process is about building relationships, not just completing transactions. I will advise and educate you to make for a stress-free and smooth loan experience. Connect with me on Instagram at Mortgages with Morgan for more information and a free consultation. This is Brad Acree, co-host of Underrated America and realtor with Better Way Home at Keller Williams Advisors Realty, where I help Cincinnati move confidently. If you are considering a move, you can get more information at mybetterwayhome.com or find me on social at Better Way Home. So the big thing on our show is we're trying to kind of shed light on the gems of Cincinnati and we feel like there's a lot of misconceptions, especially people that haven't been here in Northern Kentucky included because we're so close. What do you tell people who doubt Cincinnati, who have never been, to get them to you know come and increase the tourism? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I'm certainly a, very much a booster and a transplant at this point, a very proud transplant. So things that have, I'm sure other guests of yours have pointed out. I do think that the whole bourbon culture brings another element to Cincinnati mm-hmm. and bringing conventions and travelers into the city because it is pretty unique. And yes, you can go south and find more American whiskey, but it's when you go north, and I'm not trying to take away from distilleries that are north of the Ohio River, but you don't have that Kentucky culture that goes along with it. And yes, bourbon can be made anywhere in the United States, but Kentucky makes 95% of it. So we have a very strong presence in that. So I would I definitely would bring that up. The whole bourbon culture, bourbonism is very important around here. So we have a little Southern flair to add to our Northern kind of ethos in greater Cincinnati. I think the architecture in Cincinnati is great. I think the fact that a lot of it has been preserved. Some of the renovations that are going on in urban Cincinnati, downtown Cincinnati are fantastic. Beautiful buildings that are being brought back by entrepreneurs you know, whether they're offices and companies are lining up to, to rebuild them or the restaurants and so forth. The things that 3CDC has done really is a national model. It's just remarkable. And I know other folks come in from other communities to see how Cincinnati has managed to do these kinds of things. Very pleased with all of that. You know, we're a crossroads. I mean, I know that's brought up all the time. I mean, you can ship from Cincinnati as far as jobs and where to locate and ship from Cincinnati and be in like 60% of the United States Mm -hmm. within, you know, six or seven hours. It's a great central location. Climate-wise, maybe we laugh at our climate, but, you know, if you watch the news and see it with climate change, what's happening on the coasts and the wildfires and hurricanes and so forth, sometimes I sit down and I say to myself, boy, I'm glad I'm in Cincinnati. Yep. (laughs) I mean, it seems like a pretty darn safe place with all the changes going on in the world. I do think there's a Midwest can-do attitude around here and a sense of fairness. We've got a great town. We've got a great community going on here, and I wouldn't want to be somewhere else at this point. Not to mention the climate also helps with the aging process of the bourbon, so that's always a Well, it does, yes. That humidity and the hot summers and the makes the bourbon go in and out of the wood uh, is very important up here. So good climate for making whiskey. Definitely. How do you see the city, the region evolving over the next five to 10 years? And what do you hope to see in the next five to 10 years? Personally, from where I sit, and I'm used to a long perspective because that's Mm -hmm. the nature of distilling, I like steady as it goes. And maybe that's another advantage. I think around here, we're maybe a little more conservative on cultural kinds of issues. 
but I think in a good way, because I think there's so much change in the world that it can be a little unsettling. And I do like being a Midwesterner, and I think we're a little more thoughtful about change and a little more careful about it. I think it stands us in good stead. So personally, I think things are going well. And I think, you know, now that we're talking of replacing or adding to the Brent Spence hmm. Bridge and solving some of the traffic problems around here, I think we've got a lot of good things. And I think there's such a sense, particularly in Cincinnati, of really working on some of the problems we have of diversity and inclusion. I love the inclusiveness that seems to be the norm in this city and in, in northern Kentucky as well. And I like all these trend lines that we're on right now. I'm quite happy if things just kind of move the way they are for the next five or 10. By the way, by the time those five and 10 go around, you'll be seeing some 10 or 12-year-old new riff out there, and it's going to be dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Sorry for the commercial. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's the whole point. <laughs> Actually, one of the questions we always ask our guests, do you have any exciting new riff events or any promotional events that are upcoming? And if not, obviously, we'll check back in. We are embarking starting next year on, the, on a rebuild over here of our... We have two campuses right now, east and west in Newport the distillery, and then we have a whole production area in West Newport. But here at the distillery in front of the party source, we're starting some a lot of remodeling and rebuilding in the distillery building to increase customer engagement kinds of things. So it hasn't been well publicized, but we'll get started on that. And our entire third floor, which has been a, an event center and a wedding destination, uh, we're turning into a significant tasting room and bar, frankly, that's going to be really welcoming and really about careful flights and tasting of all of our bourbons and teaching people on a one-on-one or one-to-two, one-to-three kind of basis, a lot of education kind of things. So increasing the customer engagement in here. Now, that's not going to be probably till fall because we're doing a major remodel and so forth, but we're spending some millions on it, and uh, I think it'll increase it's not well known yet that we're doing that, but as we start the remodeling, people will see it. And we'll be bringing in a lot more engaging kinds of things that will add to the tourism aspect and also give folks a, you know, a nice opportunity to come in and learn while enjoying themselves here at New Riff about American whiskey in general. I think that'd be a nice connector with everything that's happening on the levee, the Newport levee down to the Strip and Bellevue. There's a lot of little cool things happening down there as well. That's true. And I was probably a little unfair not to mention Newport or coming back. It's doing some great stuff with the levee being rebuilt. And Bellevue is a hip little city. And that little section of, you know, right here next to us on Route 8, Fairfax, Fairfield, is a really hip little area. It's got some great small businesses, great place to do a little bit of Christmas shopping and good small city that's really coming back. Definitely. I didn't realize you guys had a wedding venue. When you do the remodel, are you going to still keep the venue for? Uh, that'd be a no. Okay. When we say, yeah, it, it surprised us. We had an event center from the time we opened, which helped bring people in and expose them to our brand. And surprising to us, we turned into a very popular wedding mm-hmm. spot. I went to a wedding there. for the party after the wedding. Oh, cool. but a lot of weddings were held here too. And we have a really nice space, but it's not big enough to accommodate everything. And to be honest with you and Frank, I think our staff is going to be very happy yeah. not to deal with... <laughs> Certain brides and certain <laughs> mother-in-laws and would be a little happier talking to people about whiskey instead of flower arrangements, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's a whole other business. So I- It is. And more power to the folks that are really good at it. 
Definitely. One question I wanted to ask you is, if you could describe your experience with the community, the business community specifically in Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati, we've had a lot of entrepreneurs on our show. And I think, you know, as you can tell us, there's a bit of a unique experience here with the camaraderie. New Riff and myself, we are very involved with different things, Chamber of Commerce, and as I already mentioned, all the tourism kind of groups that work in Cincinnati and in Northern Kentucky. I will say I'm on the Kentucky side in business and not on the Cincinnati side, so I just don't have the experience. But I know in Northern Kentucky, it's different from Louisville where I do have experience. I'm not knocking Louisville, but uh, in, in Northern Kentucky, when you have an idea as an entrepreneur, I found going to city governments and talking to people in, in government a real can-do, let's make it work. I'm open-minded. I'm not sure I understand, but I'm not going to say no, as opposed to the instant no, or mm -hmm. here's the regulation that's going to prevent this. Let's figure out a way to get it done. I really think there's a can-do, make it happen if it's something that's going to benefit the community. And when I started the party source, to, to go to the city council and the mayor of Bellevue 30 years ago and tell them I wanted to build, like a, at that time it's been expanded several times, 60,000 square foot liquor store. <laughs> and I was, you know, young, I mean, at that point, and 30 years younger, and, and to walk in there and... I'll tell you the story real quick. It's just the mayor, a lovely man at that time. Unbeknownst, I came in. I had a one-on-one -on -one with him. I went home. I didn't know how he really reacted. He was puzzled. You know, I mean, who ever heard of such a thing? Two days later, I was in my store, a store at Louisville, and he came walking into the store. He had driven all the way from Bellevue on his own dime. He had another job, you know, like most small city mayors. He had taken time off from work to drive to Louisville to see what the heck I was up to. And he just did it on his own. I didn't even know he was coming. I think there's a real openness, even if it was open 30 years ago, it sure as heck is now, particularly in the river towns along Newport, Bellevue, Covington. Let's get it done. Let's entertain new ideas. We love diversity. It's an exciting time, you know, in business in, in the river towns down there. That's a great story. I'd love to add one more question. If you could describe Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati as a region here with one word, what would that one word be? Oh my. Can do with common sense. Oh, I yeah, like okay. it. I like that. I like it's it. It's Midwestern here it, and it's open and they want to get things done. Hi everyone. It's co-host Morgan Barnhart. For this episode, Brad and I traveled on site just across the river to New Rift Distilling in Newport, Kentucky. We experienced a wonderful tour of the facility led by our guide, Dan Schlarman. And of course, the best part, we sampled a large number of tasty whiskeys, and let me tell you, the pours were plentiful. Here's a clip of our interview with Dan. I highly recommend you visit to get a taste for yourself. Hope you enjoy. Now we're at the distillery, New Rift Distillery. Our barrel house, or rick house, is about two and a half miles to our southwest. It's still here in Newport. The history of New Rift Distilling right here in Newport, Kentucky, we really had to start with that big liquor store over here uh, behind the distillery, the party source, because it was there that Ken Lewis built the party source into one of the biggest and most successful retail liquor stores in the country, selling spirits, wine, and beer. This is 100% malted rye. Not 95% rye and 5% malted rye, 100% malted rye.
how long have you been here? Like, what do you do? Like, what's I'm, I'm your background? Guy, yeah. which we call a brand ambassador here yeah. at New Riff. But I've only been here less than a year. This is my retirement job. Yeah. Uh, I ran the golf course down the street for 25 years. <laughs> but I'm local. I grew up right here. So I watched this place uh, start and was very excited to see brewing come back right here to this part of Kentucky. Have you always been a bourbon fan, or has this like expanded your knowledge like crazy? I, I, I've always loved bourbon, uh, and a huge beer fan also. So I was kind of excited learning the whole background of Brian being a brewer before he became a distiller. I think it's really neat uh, because he's added some really neat, uh, different tastes to some of the bourbons and the rye whiskeys that he's making, and some of the experimental uh, and uh, unusual bourbons these these brewing also. They are always experimenting, yeah. you know, and they and they uh, really do draw a lot on the folks that work here. Uh, what do you like to drink? Um, what was your favorite beer? Could we incorporate that as part of spirit? That that winter whiskey I talked about earlier really is an homage to Brian being a uh, brewer because it, it kind of tastes like oatmeal stout meets whiskey, wow, and delicious. <laughs> uh, so they are experimenting with um, different malts, uh, malted grains. Uh, peated whiskeys like scotch. Oh, cool. Scotch and Irish whiskey are peated. Can it be peated and still bourbon? Yes, like, oh, sure. okay, cool. Peated, peat is that um, organic soil yeah, from Scotland, yeah. Scotland and Ireland. They burn it for wood because there's not a lot of wood to burn in that part of the world. So they have, um, you know, grasses and plants and trees that have fallen into the soil into bogs over the centuries and now they dig that into logs and they burn that so if you're malting your barley which is popular for irish whiskey and scotch with that peat well it has that barnyard kind of smell to it so it's gonna make that grain smell and taste like that 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 peated uh product so if you're using that peat in your whiskey it's gonna give you that that's a highland scotch is known to be peated because they, they use that in the malting process so if you experiment with some malts that are peated, you're going to have some But if it's 51% corn, it's put into a new charter container where you got bourbon again. Cool. Really in the United States, it has to be American. Just yeah. like Scotch is made in Scotland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have to ask the question that we've asked everyone. Oh. If you could describe, let's say, the Cincinnati Metro, but specifically northern Kentucky as well, with one word, what would you... What would you it's use? the toughest question we ask yeah. our guests. But I kind of like the spin on, say, Northern Kentucky, because we've yeah. never had anyone do a word for specifically Northern okay, Kentucky. Yeah. Been, you've you can been do here a sentence, a too. It doesn't have to be yeah. a word. Word or phrase, yeah. Word or phrase. Oh, my goodness. A new riff on old tradition? <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's it. <laughs> that we, we have the basis of the old traditions right here in Northern Kentucky because of all of the immigrants that have populated this area, the Germans, the Irish, uh, the English, the Scottish, and it brought their whiskeys and other practices of brewing, beer, wine, all right here to this area, which is neat. And then we've added our new riffs to it. <laughs> well, thank you, Dan. This was yeah, such a cool tour. Very, very informative.